Last week I started out with a blonde joke to try to get you warmed up because, you know, we talked about homosexuality and our bottom line last week was uh, speak truth, show compassion. When it comes to homosexuality, we want you to remember that. You can go back online if you weren't here and watch last week's message. We want you to speak truth and show compassion. We don't want you to compromise your core convictions ever. And the compromise of the core conviction is when you speak truth. But we also don't want you to be a jerk for Jesus, right? So you need to show compassion. So when it comes to homosexuality, speak truth, show compassion. There ain't enough blonde jokes to get you warmed up for what we're going to talk about today. Because today we're going to look at porn. And we're not going to look at porn. We're going to uh, <laughs> we're going to look at what the Bible says about porn. All right. Some of you got excited and some of you got scared. Right. So. We're going to look at what the Bible says about porn. And in reality, the air just went out of the room a little bit because statistically, most of you deal with this issue, to be quite honest. Statistically, most of you. We're going to talk about some stats in a moment. And this is the reason I'm preaching about it. Somebody say, why in the world? You know, and I ask myself the same question. But it's because it's such a pervasive issue. But statistically, most of you deal with this issue. Some of you are toying with it. And many of you are literally in bondage and addicted to it. And so our bottom line today is fight it, don't hide it. We want you to fight it, don't hide it. Okay? Now we're going through the book of Romans. A letter Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And it is, when it comes to theology, it's the cat's meow, man. I mean, it is the promised land of theology. It's an awesome book. And, uh, you know, as we preach through books of the Bible, uh, I have this love-hate relationship with preaching through books of the Bible. I love it because, man, you go through, you get to know what the Word says. I trust the, the sufficiency of the Word. I don't feel like I have to, well, preach how-to messages. I, I just want to preach through the Word. So I love preaching because you've got to preach what's there. I hate it because you've got to preach what's there, right? I mean, listen, homosexuality and pornography are not issues that I just sit back and say, what am I going to preach? Well, I tell you what, let's just preach on homosexuality and porn. That'd be a great Sunday, right? I mean, but when you preach exegetically through the Bible, they're sort of like your mother-in-law. You just can't get away from them. You can't avoid them, right? And so, uh, uh, but seriously, those are not topics that we would just pick if we want to uh, pat backs and pad seats. Because uh, uh, those topics are, are harder topics. But our objective here at LifePoint is not to pat your back or to pat our seats. Our objective is to help you to know God and to be transformed by Jesus Christ. And so that's why we jump into his word and we jump into to, to what he says. And so, you know, uh, I, I believe as we look at porn, porn is one of the biggest internal threats to the church today. Now, I didn't say external. Okay, there are a lot of threats. I'm not concerned about external threats. I'm really not. I'm not concerned about radical Islamic oppression. I'm not concerned about liberal legislation. What I'm concerned about is cultural imitation. And to be quite honest, when it comes to, the, to our views on sexuality, pornography, gender issues and all that, there is little discernible difference between how those outside the church and how those inside the church view those things. And so that's a problem, and we want to we wanna help attack that. And so what we're doing is we came to the end of Romans 1 last week, and we're going to pump the brakes a little bit before we jump into Romans 2, and we're going to stay and marinate in some of the issues that Paul talked about at the end of Romans 1. 
because he gives us a major problem, and out of that problem flows a lot of these issues. Homosexuality that we talked about last week, heterosexual sin, whether it's sex before marriage, whether it's sex after marriage with anyone but your wife or your husband, those are issues that flow out of the problem presented in Romans 1, 18 through 32, and pornography is also one of those issues, and so we're going we're gonna to look at it. So I want to do a little review uh, of those verses, and so let me, let me go back and look at Romans 1, 18. In Romans 1, 18, here's what Paul says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. See, God's wrath, we've got to talk about wrath. We've talked about that. Go back and view previous messages. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all ungodliness, and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. That, that phrase, suppress the truth, you need to really zone in on that, underline it, highlight it in your Bible. Because that begins to let you know, and out of the suppression of the truth flows a whole list of things that we ought not do. Okay? So then he goes on in verses 21 and 22. He says, for although they knew God, the problem is not that people don't know God. Although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. That basically means they didn't worship him. When they honor him as God, the reason you were created was to worship God and bring glory to God and to be grateful for the things God has given. When we don't do that, we worship other things. That's what he's talking about. And it says, uh, but they became futile in their thinking. Their minds were darkened. He says they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Okay? Claiming to be wise, they became morons. That's what that word fools really is. It's moronic. It's where the root of where we get our word moron. So God says, you know, when we don't worship him and we think we're smarter than God, we're morons. No matter how scientific we are, no matter how brilliant we are, Mensa, whatever, we're morons if we don't understand and worship God that, uh, and, 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 and put everything on him. And verse 23, and exchange the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man birds and animals and creeping things. And so he says, we, we didn't worship God. Uh, we rejected God, worshiped other things. He's given us a progression. And then in verse 28, he says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, look at what he did. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. To do what ought not be done. Now let's look at the progression. Here's what Paul says. The problem is not that people don't know God. Every person ever born into every city, state, culture, country, uh, village in the world never heard of the gospel, but they, God says in Romans 1, his invisible qualities have been made known. God has clearly revealed himself. It's called general revelation through creation. You can't look at the Grand Canyon, the universe, the galaxy, the Milky Way. You can't look at what God's created and not say, there is a God, Right? Now, general revelation doesn't save us, but when, in Bible, when people respond to God's general revelation, he always sends more revelation, the gospel. So Paul says that it's not that people, people don't go to hell because they haven't heard the gospel, the old question is in Romans 1 that deals with, it's not that they, that they go to hell because they've got the disease. People don't die because they don't hear about a cure. People die because they get a disease. We got the sin disease. That's what kills, that's what sends to hell. The cure can, can help. But it's, it's, it's having the sin disease, and Paul says. And so we're born with this depravity, this debased mind, and a heart that rejects God. We suppress the truth about God. We rejected God. And when we rejected God, what happens is something else becomes the center and circumference of our life. We begin to give our life, our time, our money, 
everything to something other than God. Something other than God takes his throne, his place in our life, and when that happens, our minds are warped. It, we, we, our, our minds are darkened, which leads to futile thinking, warped thinking, which leads to impure desires, which then leads to actions that are more jacked up than a redneck truck in Alabama, right? And so, so you see the progression. You see the progression. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 15, 19. In Matthew 15, 19, Jesus said it like this. He talks about the progression from the heart out. He says, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality. Now, I want you to zone in. He says adultery and then sexual immorality. Adultery is sexual immorality, but I'm going to tell you why he lists both. This is a junk drawer term. He covers them all right there, right? And so adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander, everything you can think of, what we ought not do comes out of our heart. It comes out of our heart. There's a flow here that comes out of our heart, and then out of our heart, uh, and our, how we think produces our desires, and our desires produce our actions, right? And so Jesus talks about it coming out of our heart, the same progression Paul talks about in Romans 1. That's why religion is junk. We don't like religion here because religion is about your external behaviors, Religion's about, let's, let's, let's attack your external behavior. Do this, don't do this, do this. See, the Pharisees literally thought, man, we don't commit adultery, but we can lust all we want because it's our actions. You see, that's very religious. That's very religious. And so uh, when it comes to porn, I, I don't know if you, let, let me give you a stat. I'm going to get into some stats, but let me give you a stat that helps you to understand how religion kills. By the way, I'm going to get into some stats later, but here's just one for now. If you, go, if you are a regular attender of church, According to stats, studies, you have a 26% less likely chance to be involved in porn. Okay? Now, get this. Those who classify themselves as fundamentalist, 90% greater chance to be involved in porn. Because fundamentalist, you know, fundamentalist, fundamentalist, I'm sorry, fundamentalist, <laughs> fundamentalist are very religious. And, and their whole mind, it's all about this. And that doesn't do it. It's Jesus transforming your heart, right? So Paul wrote these letters. Paul started churches in cities all over, uh, you know, his world. He started uh, churches in hypersexual cities like Corinth, you know, like Rome, like Ephesus. You know about Corinth. We read 1 Corinthians. Man, the church was, was messed up. These cities were so hypersexual. They were so sexually perverse that adultery, prostitution, you read about Rome, orgies, all that kind of stuff was as common as a vegan in California. I mean, it was everywhere. It was just everywhere. You walk down the street, you would see these things. It's crazy, immoral, sexual depravity was, was just absolutely crazy. We think it's bad today. It was horrible then. Read 1 Corinthians. This is what Paul's addressing. So when Paul writes these letters back, to, uh, to these churches, he addresses some of these issues because these guys, when they got saved, when they came to know Jesus, they didn't just leave these issues out like today, right? We're not a perfect church. I don't know if you know that. We're, we're not a perfect church because we're made up of people. So if you're looking for a perfect church, not us, all right? Because we're made up of people. And people bring baggage into the church. And we believe in this thing called progressive sanctification. The Holy Spirit, you know, it, it redeems you. You're redeemed by Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify you, begins to make you more and more holy. And it's a progressive thing, right? 
And so people would bring their, in Corinth specifically, they were heavily involved in prostitution because of, uh, you know, Aphrodite, the temple of Aphrodite and all those kinds of things. And so they would get saved, but then they didn't necessarily leave these things out. They would bring it into the church. So Paul writes back, and when he writes back to these churches to challenge them on these issues, he uses a word called porneia. He uses the word porneia. Porneia, obviously, is the root word for where we get the word pornography. It's a junk drawer term. It's a junk drawer. You know, you got a junk drawer at your home where you just like throw everything in, right? Well, porneia is a junk drawer term that covers all sexual immorality. That's why Jesus said adultery and sexual immorality. Let me just cover it all here, right? I mean, they didn't specifically, the New Testament doesn't mention the word pornography as we have it today because in that day and age, they didn't deal with pornography as we have it today, right? They didn't think about it. They didn't have the printing press. So they didn't have dirty magazines for little boys to steal from their daddies and hide under their mattress to show to their friends, right? They didn't have iPhones and laptops where they could watch Netflix or porn flicks. They didn't have those things. Technology has advanced, but and so is our sin, and God knew that. That's why the Bible is absolute truth, good for all people, all places, all time. We believe it contains no errors. It is our rule and guide for faith because it's absolute, because they use words that cover like porneia. He knew, the Bible says, we will be inventors of evil, right? We will keep inventing new sins. It's, it's, it's crazy. A heart that's, that's apart from God, when it's running away from God, will invent new sins. And so he uses this word, porneia, that covers them all. I believe if Paul were here today preaching to you, if he were writing today, literally he would specifically write a long deal on pornography as we know it today because it's destroying so many people. It's destroying. I mean, it's everywhere. You know, when I was a teenager, the only, uh, basically the only access you had was if you did steal one of your daddy's uh, magazines and, uh, you know, one of your buddies stole his daddy's magazine or something and you got together and, you, you know, you sort of giggled and laughed and, and looked and, I mean, you know, you had that and there were some, you know, select videos and all that stuff. Today, it's, it's everywhere, right? Today, it's, it's on your phone. I mean, it's on your laptop. I mean, you're driving down the street, you pull up at a red light, the person beside of you, you think they're texting. Man, if they're a man, there's a good chance they're looking at porn at the red light. You're in a doctor's office, a guy's sitting across from you. Man, there's a good chance when he pulls out his phone, he's looking at porn on his phone. It's everywhere. And it has so many people in its grips. And so we need to talk about it as a church because I believe it's the biggest internal threat in the church, to facing the church today. Let me give you some stats to help you to get this. Now, these are stats. I've, I've verified them. I've looked in two or three different places, and, and they're really amazing. And I'm, I'm just going to give you a sampling. I'm going to give you a website at the end that you can go to and look at stats and also for help, okay? So listen to these. 64% of men view porn monthly. 64% of men. That means I get 100 men 64 of them are going to be involved in pornography. 64 out of every 100 men. Uh, 30% of people who view porn are women. This used to be a man problem. Women are newcomers to the game, but man, they are picking up quickly. 30%. That's the fastest growing segment of people in our world who view porn are women. Sadly. But you are newcomers to the game, ladies, but it's coming on rapidly. Get this. Porn generates $97 billion a year annually on a global scale. That's more money than the NFL, 
the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NHL combined. And we know what power horses they are in, fun, in generating revenue. They generate, I mean, crazy amounts of money. Porn generate dwarfs them combined. That is how much money that porn makes. That tells about how big of an issue this really is. Now, get this, parents. I want you to get this. Because some parents are like, why, why are we talking about this? Well, we're talking about it because none of us are, are, are more spiritual than David. None of us are stronger than Samson. None of us are wiser than Solomon. And they all dealt with sexual sin issues. And we've got to deal with it. Why are we dealing with this? Because I don't want you parents to be naive. And we all, all, all parents, I've got five kids and all of us want to be naive when it comes to our kids. We don't want to believe that our kids are into things that they, they could be or statistically they might be. Or we don't want to believe they are. And I want you to understand that's dangerous. We've got to talk about it as a church. You have to talk about it as parents. Because statistically, let me, let me, let me give you research. 51% of all boys and 31% of all girls view their first porn between the ages of 8 and 12. 8 and 12. 8 and 12. I've got an 8-year-old and a 9-year-old right now. They are coming into the range that 50% of boys, 30, uh, 31% of girls view their porn for the first time. Horrible. We can't stick our head in the sand. We can't ignore it. What do we do with it? Because it is pervasive. It is everywhere. There's a push in the porn industry right now to make it commonplace for everybody. I was in New York uh, a, a few months ago. In, sept in September, I was in New York uh, uh, speaking at a young pastor's gathering. Kyle was with me. There were, we were into Times Square. Be careful if you go to Times Square. Women walking through Times Square topless. I, we walk up to a cop. I ask a cop in Times Square. Uh, Kyle and I, one of us, I forget, ask a cop. Hold on a second. You got a, a woman walking topless right here. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. He's like, well, it's not legal. I said, it's not legal? No, not, no, not legal. It's, it's not illegal in New York. She, she can walk topless as she wants. I said, so I can take off my clothes right now. He said, no, I'm going to arrest you, but she can do it all she wants. Billboards, Times Square, everybody's doing it. They have competitions. They have competitions online of people submitting slogans, promoting the porn industry as common as everybody's doing it, as get in on the action. It's pervasive. It's everywhere. It's sad. It's destroying families, destroying homes, destroying marriages, and destroying the church. And we really, really, really want to help you with it. Porn. Now, now we think about what the the, uh, the problems that I just that I just told you in the culture. And by the way, 56% of all divorces, and 56% of all divorces, one partner, either the husband or the wife, has an obsessive internet porn addiction. Now, it wasn't necessarily that obsessive internet porn addiction that knocked them out of the game and caused their marriage to go in the ditch and crash and burn, but it was problems that came out of that obsessive internet porn addiction because it does not stop there, doesn't terminate there. Now, I wish it was a cultural problem, but the, but the problem is it, it's not cultural. It's within the church just as much. There's little discernible difference. Let me give you some issues from, from the church. Uh, in, a, in a recent survey, in a recent anonymous survey of incoming freshmen going into a seminary, so these would have been uh, graduate students that have earned their bachelor's, they're now going to seminary. Incoming first-year seminary students on an anonymous survey asking 
is porn an issue for you, 70% checked yes. Now, I'm going to tell you that it's not 70% because that means 70% of the people were honest. That don't count those who were dishonest. It's a huge, huge, huge issue within the church. That are, those are men and women that are going into the church to come out and be uh, children's pastors and youth pastors and pastors. And 70% admit that it is an issue in their life. 50% of Christian men and 21% of Christian women admit I'm addicted to pornography. 50% of Christian men, 50%, half of all men who claim Jesus is addicted. 21% of all Christian women, get this, over 50% of all pastors struggle with pornography. Folks, it, it, it is not just a cultural issue. It is an issue within the church, and it is destroying the church. It is destroying families, and I want to fight it. And here's the deal. I'm not fighting pornography, sadly, is not just taking it to the porn industry. Fighting pornography, sadly, the battle begins in the church. If you want to cripple the porn industry, you want to cripple it, then have Christians stop fueling it and funding it. That will cripple it if Christians would pull out of the game. And so the battle, sadly, begins within the church. Our college students, man, I, I love, love, love our college students. Not, I'm talking about not just ours here at this church, but college students. Today. They're the most cause-oriented generation in the history of the world. Man, they want to get in on causes. I mean, man, it's sexy in today's world to support orphans. Obviously, I love that one. I mean, let's end sex trafficking. It's sexy to put a red X on your hand, and I'm in it to end it, Right? We want to end sex trafficking and prostitution and all that. And college students are leading the charge in that. But what they don't realize is 68% of all college males are addicted to Internet pornography. 68%. Now, what they don't understand is that when we put a red X on our hand and we say, I'm in it to, I'm in it to end it, we fight it. But then when we go over and look at pornography, we fund it because Pornography is the biggest fuel and funder of, of, of uh, sex trafficking on a global scale and prostitution. It funds and fuels prostitution and sex trafficking on a global scale, and that's pornography. So when we want to fight it, one of the greatest things that you can do to fight it is to stop looking at porn. That's one of the greatest things that we can do to fight prostitution and sex slavery and sex trafficking. So in Matthew 15, when we look at what Jesus said, we know that Jesus, he, there's a pivotal truth that Jesus points out here, and that is, and we've got to look as we're addressing porn, and that's the connection between our heart, our mind, and our actions. Because what happens when you look at, at, a, at an image on your phone or on your computer or on a, in a magazine or on your TV, what happens is when you look at that image, it doesn't terminate there, it permeates. doesn't terminate, it permeates everything in your life. It doesn't, it's not siloed in that moment. It saturates every area of your life and it warps your mind and it begins to cause you to be warped and your whole views of war, of sex, sexuality, gender issues, it's all warped when, when you begin to view porn. It doesn't, it doesn't silo or it saturates. It doesn't terminate. It permeates and it warps your view on sex. Now, as we said last week, if we really want to go back and everything we preach, teach, do here, everything, all of our opinions, the things that we, they dovetail and they flow out of and they come into alignment with what the Bible teaches. 
Okay, that, that, that's who we are. We, everything flows out. We believe the Bible is God's Word. It contains God's words. And everything we do flows out of what the Bible teaches. And so, as I said last week, if you want to understand God's views on sexuality, then you need to go back to Genesis 1 and 2. Relationship, marriage, sexuality, go Genesis 1 and 2 because it's pre-fall. You see, in Genesis 3, the fall happened. Genesis 1 and 2 was a perfect world the way God created it. It was pure. It was perfect. It was just as God created it. Genesis 3, the fall happened, and our mind went crazy, and therefore our desires went crazy, and our actions went crazy. And every time a biblical writer addresses sexual perversion, porneia, you know, sexual immorality, it is a violation of what happened in Genesis 1 and 2. And so I'm not going to read all the verses in Genesis 1 and 2. Go back and look at them. Look at, look, listen to last week's message. But the bottom line is, here are the principles that we see flowing out of Genesis 1 and 2 about what biblical sexuality is all about. First off, God created Adam and Eve. He created a man and a woman. Gender is important, folks. The gender God created you with is very important. It's important, okay, when it comes to transgender and those issues. Second off, we learn that in a sexual relationship, he, he, students, here's what we'll never tell you. We'll never tell you that sex is dirty, bad. It's glorious, amazing. It is off the charts. Right, guys? It, it's, it's amazing. Now, here's the deal. When it's done the way God created it, it's beautiful, glorious, amazing. But, man, when it is done outside of God's bounds, it is a wreck, tragedy. Before his bounds are Genesis 1 and 2. Many times outside is post-Genesis 3. And, and, and so what we see is sexually in Genesis 1 and 2, sex is between one man and one woman. Not just any man and any woman, but a husband and a wife. It's not between two men. It's not between two women. It's not between a man and his sister wives. Okay? It's not between a man, his wife, and his mistress. It's not with a man and his girlfriend. It's not a man with himself and his fantasy. That's not biblically what sex was designed to do. It's between one man and one woman, not just any, a husband and wife. You see, God created sex as this beautiful gift where a husband and wife become one, not just physically, yes, physically, but not just physically, one emotionally, one spiritually, one physically, one in every realm. That's what God created and gave sex as a beautiful gift. But with every gift that God gives, whether it's sex, whether it's wine, which is a gift from God, with every gift that God gives, the enemy produces this counterfeit that absolutely distorts and warps it. Pornography is one of those sneaky counterfeits that's produced by the enemy that literally destroys families, churches. And it's, and it's so sneaky because... It makes sex about intensity for one rather than intimacy between two, a husband and a wife. Biblically, that's what sex is, all sexuality. Pornography makes it about intensity for one, pleasure for one, not intense intimacy and pleasure for two. And so it completely warps it. It warps it because it completely rewires our brain and causes us to think crazy, irrational, uh, warped thoughts on sexuality. Al Mohler, president of Southern Seminary, very, very, very academic, intelligent dude. He, he, he says that, that hyper-exposure to pornography uh, results in a negative return on the investment. And what he means is the more porn you look at, the, the, the more explicit the image needs to be to bring you to the same level of excitement. 
Because porn is a drug, really. I mean, and, and with any drug, what happens is when you take a drug, there's a, call, there's a law of the reduce effect, right? When you take a drug, you have to take a little bit more of that drug to get you to the same place. It's called the law of reduced effect with any drug. And as with that drug, porn is a drug. And so when you look at pornography and then you keep looking at porn, what happens is uh, you have to look at more porn to get you there. Because what happens when you look at porn, obviously it increases blood flow to certain parts of your body, but it also releases endorphins. And those endorphins go to the pleasure center of your brain. And it's a, it's a chemical process. And so what happens is when you look at porn uh, and, and, and you got exposure to porn, then you keep looking at porn, what happens is to keep those endorphins at the same level, you have to look at more explicit images and more images and different images. And it completely rewires your brain. It completely rewires your brain and causes you to have just warped thoughts, warped expectations. I mean, as a result, you've got singles who, who justify looking at porn because, well, I'm not having sex, and I'll get married one day, and when I get married, I'll stop because I have the real thing, right? Wrong. Because your brain is rewired, and you've fallen, and you've bit, and you've been hooked. And it creates these crazy expectations. Marriages. Marriages. Some, some people in marriage say, well, you know, they justify I can look at porn because, you know, and it, it'll help my marriage. Come on, Really? Some people even look at it together because, you know, in a marriage because, oh, we're married and, and, and we're looking at it together, no harm, right? No, it's completely destructive because what happens is it, sex is for one man, one woman, intimacy to become one. Intimacy, what happens is when you watch porn, it completely erodes intimacy. If you watch porn and your wife knows that, she has got a trust issue with you. Same if it's vice versa, there's a trust issue because... Porn creates these expectations that are completely crazy, uh, and, and, and it creates animosity, not intimacy, because intimacy flows out of trust. Porn erodes trust. So it, it separates you from your spouse. It separates you from people. It separates you from God. It separates you from God. I mean, man, you come into the church, you're going through the motions. If, if you're addicted to porn, you, 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 you're going through the motions at church. You, you, rather than experiencing the freedom and the victory that's in Jesus, you're experiencing uh, bondage. You're experiencing guilt and shame, not freedom and joy, which comes from Jesus. And it separates you from God. You want a good relationship with God, but the, your dirty little secret's holding you back separates you from not just your spouse and God, but from people because you, man, you're holding part of you back because there's shame and there's guilt. And, 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 and man, I, I'm not completely honest. And I'm into me. Intimacy is into me. See, and I'm, I'm, I'm holding part of me back. It's a great divider. And it's, it's, it's a tool that the enemy has used to sideline so many Christians. The, the, the porn is keeping an army of Christians out of the game, on the sidelines. Uh, porn is keeping an army of Christians off the battlefield and from living on mission. Because you see, if, if, if porn is a major issue in your life, then what's happening is you're probably weighed down with guilt and shame. And if you're weighed down with guilt and shame, you're probably not going to tell your neighbor about Jesus. You're probably not going to lead your wife spiritually. You're probably not going to sit down and say, hey kids, let's have devotions. You're probably not going to, you know, when we come time to stand up and say, man, we need to be going for the glory of God among the nations, you're probably not going to say, I'll go. Because you've got this guilt and this shame that is just riddling your soul. And it's destroying us. So, what do we do? That's the issue. 
What, what, what do we do about this? I mean, it's epidemic. It's crazy. It's, it, it's everywhere. It's, I mean, what, what do you do? Because it, it's, it's not just in a magazine that you can avoid on the top shelf. It, it, it's on your phone 24-7, 365. It's on Hardy's commercials, for goodness sake, right? What do you do? Well, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to declare war on porn. Man, you can't play with it. You toy with it, and it'll eat your lunch. You can't put up some defenses. You've got to declare war, all-out war on porn, on any sin. You go to war against sin, right? Let, let me give you a, uh, a, a verse out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Look at, what, look at what this passage is so awesome. He says, Beloved, I urge you, I urge you. You can hear him, right? You can hear that. I urge you, church. Man, he's pleading. Look at what he says. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, of which you are because you are, this is not our home if you're a believer. We're sojourners and exiles in a land that is not our own. I urge you, church, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, to abstain from sex before marriage, to abstain from sex with somebody that's not your husband or wife after marriage, to abstain from homosexuality, to abstain from pornography. Put it in there. To abstain from passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Here's what he said. He said, don't make, he said, make no mistake. These passions of the flesh, sexual immorality, it's not toying with you. Man, it's not playing games with you. It is declared war on your soul because it wants to damn you to hell. And if you're a believer and it can't damn you to hell because Jesus has you, it wants to ruin your life. It wants to rob your joy. It wants to keep you on the sideline. And it wants to keep you from living on mission. It's declared war on you. That's what Peter says. You want to you beat this thing? You can't play with it, toy with it, throw up some defenses. Man, you've got to declare war on sin. You've got to go to war, folks, every day. That's the one thing about Christianity that I just wish that we would understand is it's become too wimpified, to be quite honest. We've got to put on our big boy pants and go to war if we want to be who Christ has called us to be. Next, man, you've got to renew your mind. Renew your mind. Porn rewires your brain. We've already talked about that scientifically. It rewires your brain. Man, you can find studies that prove it. It rewires your brain. You want to you defeat this thing? You've got to go to war against it. And part of that's renewing your mind. You see, that's what Paul said in Romans 12, which we'll get there in a couple of years. In Romans 12, Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who renews your mind? The Holy Spirit. He renews your mind. It re changes how you think, what you want to think about. Now, here's the issue. So the next time you've got this issue with porn, you're going to war against it. You, you, you're praying, uh, Holy Spirit, renew my mind. I, I, I want to I do battle here in, in, in your mind. Take captive every thought. So the next time you want to put an image in your mind, whether it's a still photo or a video, you want to put an image in your mind, here's how you renew your mind. The image that you put in your mind is not an image of a naked woman or a naked man. or uh, The image is... Jesus Christ on the cross, bloodied, battered, and bruised, dying for pornography. That's what image you put in your mind. That's the image that you says, Jesus died for my lying, 
He died for my, my drunkenness. He died for, for, for adultery. He died for greed. He died for gossip. He died for pornography. It was all on him on the cross. That's the image. To do battle against this, we're going to have to say, that's the image I'm going to think about in my mind when I want to put another image in my mind. So renew your mind. Next, make a covenant with your eyes. Make a covenant with your eyes. Look at what Job said. Job 31 wants. Great. Hey, folks, this, this is not something, oh, it's, it's new, and, new in 2015. No, this, this happened in Genesis 1 at creation because God created it. He, Job says this, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I give gaze, I'm sorry, gaze at a virgin? How can I gaze? I made a covenant with my eyes, he said. You see, th- this is not new. An interest in the opposite sex is not bad, Okay. It's not like, oh, Lord, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, you know, we can't look at another sex. It's not bad. God created that interest. He wants you to desire your wife. He wants uh, ladies to desire their husband. You see, that's Genesis 1 and 2. But what happened in Genesis 3 is we began looking and desiring people who aren't our wives and our husband, right? And so, so many justify and say, well, I, it's no, 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 no foul, right? No blood, no foul, no harm. I mean, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the menu, but I'm not going to eat. I'm shopping, but I'm not going to buy it, right? I mean, problem is, man, when you start shopping, you start touching everything in the store. You don't believe me? Go, go back and read about King David. You see, King David, you know, he, he, was, he was somewhere he shouldn't be. He was looking, and, man, there was a beautiful woman bathing on a roof. It was customary, bathing on a roof. Now, David seeing a beautiful woman, no problem, no sin. Listen, to, to see someone and recognize them as a beautiful woman or a good-looking man, that's not sin. That's human. But when you look back and you begin to think other thoughts or begin to fixate on certain parts, then you're entering into sin. See, David, it says that he looked at this woman bathing. The word used, that, this woman bathing, and the word used in the Hebrew context is raya, and that word doesn't mean he looked. It means he gazed, and he began to continue to look. Bad, bad choice. So he, he started, he was, he was, you know, shopping. He wasn't buying. He was looking at the menu, but he wasn't. He, all of a sudden, we know what happened. You've got to make a covenant with your eyes. You know, if you go to the movie, man, you go to a movie and, and you know it's leading up to the scene and you don't, you don't need to be seeing that scene. You're sitting there. What do you do? Man, you need to either close your eyes. You need to make a covenant. Close your eyes until you know that scene's over. Turn your head until you know that scene's over. Make a covenant with your eyes. You see a, a, a gentleman, you see a beautiful woman walking down the hallway at church. You see a beautiful woman at, at the office and, and you recognize, that's a pretty woman. No problem. Makes you a man. Makes you human. Right? Now, you see a beautiful woman, no problem. And then you see your head begin to turn and start walking. You've got a problem. Make a, con- make a covenant with your eyes. Bounce your eyes, guys. Same with you, ladies. It's not just men. Same with you. Okay, make a covenant with your eyes. Here's, here, Jesus even took it, man, another step. Matthew 5, 27 through 29. Here's what he says. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. That's true. Adultery is a sin. Jesus, he took it to a whole nother level. Okay? He said, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent... You see, lustful intent. He's not saying, you look at a woman and say, she's beautiful. You got lustful intent, okay? 
has already committed adultery with her in his, in his heart. See, the, the, the Pharisees were saying, man, I, this woman commits adultery. I can lust all I want because it's all about action. Jesus said, no, 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 no. It's not just a physical action. It's the private intention. It's the lustful intention. It's just as bad. But look at what he said. Here's the diagnosis. I love it. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than, than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Man, Jesus raised the bar. He didn't just say, no touchy-touchy. He said, no looky-looky. Right? <laughs> now, I, I, and, 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 and here's the issue. He said, look, you've got a problem with lust. You've got a problem with porn. Tear your eye out before it kills you. Now, nobody leave right yet before I complete this. Because we've got a really good church. And generally, when I preach something, man, I know you try to do what you say. So before you go all Captain Hook and you come in next week and we've got a bunch of blind guys with patches on their eyes, you need to understand he wasn't being literal here, okay? He wasn't saying go rip out that eye. That, that's not the, you know, I don't, I don't, we, Bibles and Braille's our next ministry, right? I mean, here, pull out the Bible, guy, for all the, you know, what he's saying is, you don't, you don't hide it, you fight it. He's saying, don't fight it, hide it. Go to war against it. And what he's saying is, recognize the severity of it and be willing to do whatever it takes to get it out of your life. You, you, you got a premium channel that's causing you to stumble? Then get rid of it. You, you got a, a, a magazine subscription that, that, man, was left to you by your daddy, whatever, get rid of it. You got a secret stash, then trash your secret stash. You got a problem with your looking at, at, at porn on your phone, then listen, you, you, got, you got a social media and you got somebody pops up something, block, block, block. Block, block them, get rid of them, quit following them. If you have to only follow the people that you know and trust on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, then do that. Do whatever it takes to get rid of it. That's what he's saying. You go to war. You don't play with it. Well, I, I'll just, I, you know, I'll keep my social media and I'll keep this for, I know that every now and then they post stuff that cause a, no, block them, dump them, get rid of it. Don't play with it. You got a Facebook, well, man, I, no, get rid, if you see anything, get rid of it. And it's there, and, it, and, and it, you don't have to go looking for it, it'll look for you. So get rid of it, right? Now, here, let me give you a, a, a website to help you with, okay? It's triplexchurch.com. Now, when you put this in your computer, please do not mess this up, Okay? <laughs> Please, matter of fact, have your wife or your husband or somebody with you to make sure, trip, be very careful, triple at church.com. It's safe. Matter of fact, these guys that run this ministry was in the porn industry. They got saved. Now they help people get out of the porn industry, and they help people who are addicted to porn. So triplexchurch.com got all kinds of resources to help you fight and go to war against this. Matter of fact, there is a resource on here called x3watch.com. x3watch.com. You can go there, or you can also link to it from triplexchurch.com. And what it is is there is software. You know, software that keeps you from going, but, but it's also not just software. You, th that's at a different level. There's also just, just uh, uh, stuff that not, it's not uh, 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 software that, that filters where you go. It's not a filter, I mean. What it is is I sign up, 
uh, for this. And all of our staff is doing this, by the way. All of our staff. Be because we take this seriously. So you sign up. You, what it does is, whoever you put down, one or two or three people, if I go to a questionable website, it will send that person that I put down the website that I went to. little accountability, isn't it? So it's not a filter. It doesn't keep you from going anywhere. Filters are okay, but we got a smart church. You know, most ninth graders can figure out how to get around filters, okay, if you really want to. It is a, you have to work at it a little bit, so it is an accountability. But this is one of those things that says, okay, if I go here, then, you know, my wife's going to know. She's going to get it because any questionable website's going to her. Go to war with it. Make a covenant with your eyes. Renew your mind. Look at Proverbs 26, 11, my last verse as I'm closing out. Proverbs 26, 7, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool that repeats his folly. Man, I grew up in East Tennessee. I grew up in the country. I, you ever seen a dog just throw up and then go back over and lick on it a little bit? You glad I gave you that image right before lunch. I, I didn't give you the image. It's in the Bible. I just read it. But that, ugh. Listen, that's exactly what I want you to do when you think about pornography. It's vomit. It's puke. It's filth. It's trash. And when you return to it, you're like a dog returned to his vomit because it's folly. And how are you going to do that? Listen, you're not going to fight this on your own. You need a friend. You, you need someone that you can trust and I want you to understand as a church, we're not going to shame you. We're not going to guilt you. We want to be gracious and compassionate and loving because we want to see God grow you and sanctify you and make you into the image of his beautiful son. That's what we want to do. So we're not going to shame you. That's not this church. There are churches. This is not that. We want to help you, but you need a friend. You need someone you can trust because you can't do this alone. Some of you are so deep in this that you need, you need professional counseling help, a guide that will help untangle these things in your heart. If you will call us, we, Rodney Wilson, our, our Minister of Marriage and Family Enrichment, anonymously, confidentially, everything is confidential. We can connect you with people who can help you untangle this. You've got to fight it. If it's an issue, fight it, don't hide it. And finally, the last thing is it doesn't matter what kind of filter you got on your software. It doesn't matter what kind of friend you got. It doesn't matter what kind of biblical counseling you get. What matters is Jesus Christ and what the Holy Spirit does in your heart. I want you to know if you're not a Christian, the Holy Spirit in your heart is the only thing that's going to transform your heart. You might can do it for a month, a week, a year. You might can be in it for a little while on your own because you can, you can force yourself to do anything for a little bit, but it's going to falter without the Holy Spirit transforming your heart. And if you are a believer, you need to understand that Jesus is more powerful than any sin that has you in its grip. He's more powerful. And it's going to take the Holy Spirit. Listen, we love you. We are grateful for you. We are not shaming you and guilting you. What we're doing is loving you, compassionately, graciously, telling you the truth from God's Word so that you can live in joy and freedom and not bondage, shame, and guilt. And that's what we want for you because we don't want you to be on the sideline. We want you to be in the game changing the world. So if you want to know, come back and talk to us. Make an appointment. Call us. And let's fight. Let's not hide, hide it. Fight it. Don't hide it. Come back tonight at 5 p.m. so we can process this more and you can learn how you can help other people with this. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word. And we're grateful for how you can redeem Thank you, Father, that 
with David, with Solomon, with Samson, with all the people in the Bible that we see battle sexual problems. Thank you, first off, that you give us those, that word. Second off, God, thank you that we know that you can transform any heart. Help us to fight it and not hide it. God, help us to live in victory over it in Jesus' name. Amen.